Welcome to The Writer's Edge, a podcast exploring writing across the disciplines from the arts to the sciences and everything in between. We're coming to you from Shark Tank number two in the NSU Writing Communication Center on the fourth floor of the Alvin Truman Library in Davie, Florida. So hi, I'm Eric Mason. I'm one of the folks at Writer's Edge and a faculty coordinator here for WCC. Today we're sharing the second installment of our radio show called That's News to Us, which is a collaboration between the WCC and NSU's Maker Radio. So listen in as we hear our student and faculty guests play games answering questions based on strange and local news and try to fool the manager of the radio station with their fake news stories. We hope you enjoy it. Your radio is currently tuned to Nova Southeastern University's Mako Radio Broadcasting on WKPX 88.5 FM Sunrise. Our business phone number is 754-322-1721. And you can find out more about us on our website, www.nova.edu slash Mako Radio. Our Instagram, Spotify, Facebook is at NSU underscore Mako Radio. So welcome. This is the NSU News Quiz Show called That's News to Us. It is our second episode after premiering on College Radio Day, so I'm very excited that we're doing it again. Hello, my name is Eric Mason. I am a faculty here in the Department of Communication, Media, and the Arts. I also moonlight work, also I work as a faculty coordinator at the Writing Communication Center. So this is kind of a, a collaboration between Mako Radio and the Writing and Communication Center. And so we're very happy to be here. And of course, we have guests in the studio. Last time we had a bunch of student media people. This week, we have people from the USGA, the Undergraduate Student Government Association. So I'll let them introduce themselves in a minute, but we actually have the president of the USGA. So he's going to introduce himself and just tell us a little bit about the USGA, kind of what it does and why a student here or listener would want to know about it. For sure. Thank you so much for that introduction. It's a pleasure to be here on behalf of the Undergraduate Student Government Association today. My name is Manis Pediboyina, and I currently serve as the president of the student body for our 36th administration. So what is USJ? What do we do? Long story short, what our goal is for the USJ is to make positive change on campus and be the bridge between faculty and students. Uh, we're here to make meaningful change that will impact the students and help the student experience to be the best it can possibly be. Within the USJ, we actually do have three branches, the legislative, executive, and judicial. Our legislative branch comprises of our senators who represent different constituencies and represent each and every single student of our student body. Our judicial branch keeps our student government in check, handles judicial affairs, makes sure that people are doing their work, things like that. And our executive branch is there to support all of our Senate members. So we have our three branches right there. Yeah, thank you. I need like a hotline or like a little (laughs) thing that I can Mm -hmm. get a notice. I'm really invested in AI in the classroom. Cool. And I'm like, at some point, a student is going to be accused of plagiarism and there's going to be a debate. And I assume this will go in front of your judicial system. Is that something so, that they would handle? So when it comes to student affairs, like things like that, um, right now the U.S. should usually lets the school handle things like that. But if we feel that something is done in an unjust or improper way, the USGA can definitely take a stand if need be. So you're kind of like where people go when maybe they don't feel the system has treated them well. Right, yeah, exactly. And things like that are like if there's like a need or something that students that want or students want to see, we kind of stand there to be like, hey, like the USG wants to do this, wants to our students want this program to be implemented. For example, the diversity office was something that we were really, really passionate about bringing upon. Um, and we worked in conjunction with the school for that. So trying to help students fit their needs. Usually when it comes to grievances, we let the school kind of handle more of that stuff. But I see completely where you come from, and we could definitely take on that role as well if need be. Fair enough. Yeah. All right, so I've got three members of the USGA who are going to be our contestants this week. 
so I'm just going to let them introduce themselves. So tell us your, you know, your name, your major, what you do for the USGA, and maybe some random interesting fact about yourself. Okay, cool. So um, hi, my name is Anne-Sylvie Jean-Louis, um, but it's long in French, so I usually just go by Annie. I am the diversity senator within the USGA. Um, this is my first year in USGA, so I'm really excited, and I love my position. Kind of like President Petabuena was talking about, um, everybody has their different constituencies, just kind of the different specific students I get to help out. But with diversity, I get to just kind of interact with pretty much everyone and help with initiatives in that sense. Um, and then a fun fact about me is that I love the arts. So writing poetry, performing poetry, singing, dancing, acting, pretty much everything in the arts. So, yeah. Excellent. Welcome, Annie. Hi, my name is Ava Crossan. I am the USGA Veteran Senator. I'm a law and international studies major. My biggest thing that I do is I just represent the veteran and military connected students at NSU that are undergraduate students. I'm not a veteran myself, but my dad was in the Army, so I'm a dependent of a military retiree. So I just try and focus on representing my constituency and focus on representing the voice of veteran and military connected students at NSU. Um, and a fun fact about me is that I actually learned how to use chopsticks about 10 days ago. So that's been very fun. Are you, are you, are you self-taught or did you take a course? I actually learned in my UNIV class. I have my UNIV 1000 class. I mentioned in the beginning of the semester that I didn't know how to use chopsticks. And so there was like a mini lesson for me. It was a little embarrassing, but still learned it. Excellent. And it was uh, Ava, correct? Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, hi, my name is Swetha Shaw. I'm currently the upperclassman senator. This is my second year in USGA. I was formerly the diversity senator and was a student that just was very much interested in student government before then. I represent upperclassmen students, so a large majority of students at the university. My goal this year has just been really creating a positive impact for our students and really addressing the needs of students that sometimes get overlooked. Um, so a lot of my legislations have been kind of rooted in that. A fun fact about me is that I'm a twin. Do you ever say we to mean like I, or is it not like that? So my twin doesn't go to Nova, so it's a little bit different. So sometimes I forget that I'm a twin, but then it's just like a random fun fact, and it's always like cool, so I just say I'm a twin. Very cool. Yeah, I've got two brothers. That's about as close as I get to that. <laughs> we, we look alike. You know? All right, so... One of the great things about doing shows like this is you learn about the university and what's going on. But of course, we've come here to play a bunch of games, a bunch of language games based on the news, right? So much of news quizzes. So the first game, and I will keep track of points, um, and basically everything is one point here. Uh, but the first game is called Poetry in Notion. I'm going to read some poems, some limericks, not the dirty kind. If you don't know, limericks have a rhyme scheme that is A-A-B-B-A. So the last line will end with the word that rhymes with the end of the first two. So I'm not going to say the last word. You're going to guess what the last word is. So here's a limerick from last time as an example. His pet is just your typical nut hoarder, but officials seek to impose order. Travel plans he did lay, but now he's afraid that his squirrel will get stopped at the... Border. Yeah, border, oh. right? So that's an actual news story about a person who traveled from Venezuela to the U.S., with his pet squirrel and very afraid that it'll get stopped at the border. That's the idea, is that I would just not say that last word and you would have to try to guess it. We will go through and I'll give each of you two limericks, all right? So are we ready? Yes. yes. All right. <laughs> Why don't we start with Shweta, all right? Okay. First limerick. Their delivery was set down with care. Tacos, nachos, and drinks all there. But the ring cam caught the feet by a large furry thief. Their dinner was stolen by a... Rhymes with care and there. Care and there. Um, 
I'll read it again just to yeah, yeah, that would be good. Yeah. <laughs> Their delivery was set down with care. Tacos, nachos, and drinks all there. But the ring cam caught the feet by a large furry thief. Their dinner was stolen by a... Bear. Bear, exactly, right? And these are all true. I know they're sort of wacky sometimes, but they're all true. So yes, a, a fast food loving black bear stole a $45 Taco Bell order from the front porch of a home in the Orlando suburb of Longwood just moments after the Uber Eats driver delivered it. Black bears are omnivores, luckily, so eat just about anything, which is useful when you can't tell if your taco contains meat, plants, or neither. <laughs> so, all right, Aww. so good job. Here's your second one. The land of the billabong went awry. From the outback arose a great sigh. For nine hours of strife, there was no digital life. Australians had to go without... Light? Not without light. Things went awry, arose great sigh. For nine hours of strife, there was no digital life. Australians had to go without... It's two syllables, so it's a little harder. But they both rhyme with sigh and awry. Sigh and awry. All right, so the answer would have been Wi-Fi, wireless fidelity, internet, wireless internet. Millions of Australians experienced a nine-hour near-total service blackout from the company which provides 40% of the country's internet, making it difficult or impossible to purchase goods, book rides, access medical care, or even make phone calls. No reports yet on whether the anxiety of being disconnected was outweighed by the mental health benefits of being disconnected. Hmm. But you got one point there, so that's, (laughs) that's not bad at all. All right, Ava. A trans actor, his talent unveiled, was chosen, but hopes were curtailed. The role slipped away, leaving bias on display. He lost the part because his gender's not... Rhymes with unveiled and curtailed. The role slipped away, leaving bias on display. He lost the part because his gender's not... Um, Right? No, it'd have to rhyme with veiled and tailed. And it's gender. So you kind of got a 50-50. Male? Male, exactly. Correct. So yes, after offering the lead role in a production of Oklahoma to a transgender male student, a Texas high school created a new gender casting policy saying that only males can play males and only females can play females, leading to the withdrawal of the offer. Predictably, their next step will be to insist that only heterosexuals can perform musical theater. That's a joke, by the way. Um, (laughs) And that is really ahistorical, too, right? If you know anything about the theater, mm-hmm. often there was a lot of gender switching, you know. Anyway, so strange policy. Next limerick. At least the dude might say it's not the eagles. We don't often hear from deceased peoples, but every now and then, one gets to return to old friends, a new song has been released by the... Beatles. Beatles, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. So yes, AI facilitated the creation of a new Beatles song released recently titled Now and Then. The song featured deceased Beatles members John Lennon and George Harrison. Musicians everywhere now looking closely at their recording contracts to see if they allow such post-mortem cash grabs. So, all right, so that's two points, right? Very nice. We're on Andy here, so here are your limericks. Since his first folio, it's been 400 years. Collected to honor his writing most dear, it's much ado about a case sent by balloon near to space to honor the literary legacy of rhymes with years and dear. Two syllables. I thought it rhymed with folio. But his first folio was 400 years ago. You know, it's much ado about a case sent by balloon to space to honor the literary legacy of some author that rhymes with years and dear. 
Oh, bro, I just said his name earlier. Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare. Yes, of course. <laughs> I was like, what? So, yes, this year marks the 400th anniversary of the publication of Shakespeare's first folio, a collection of plays assembled by his friends seven years after his death. In tribute, a London filmmaker has created a series of short films, one of which shows a small sample of Shakespeare's writing and a portrait of the bard being sent to the edge of space attached to a weather balloon. We're not sure what the title of the film will be, but we're suggesting Love's Labor's Aloft. That's Love's Labor's Lost, if anyone's not sure why that's funny. <laughs> all right, next limerick. For Annie says, Climate change affects all the world, of course, but some groups may feel it a bit worse. Belgians' traditional ways may be going away. It's difficult to catch shrimp while riding a... Horse? Horse. All right, I mean, that makes total sense, and it does, that's, that's correct. So... Horseback shrimp fishing is a tradition still practiced in the Belgian coastal village of, I'm going to slaughter this name, Oostunkirk. But changing water temperatures are making it hard to find the shrimp they used to be able to catch by dragging a chain and net behind their horse while galloping through the surf. So honestly, I have no like funny commentary thing the one. I just thought it was super cool. Like they, they drag this chain on the sand and it scares the shrimp and they jump up and they get caught in a net. Huh. I'm wow. like, that's genius somehow. All right. So, at the end of one game, we've got you know, Schwatta with one, Ava with two, and Annie with two. Not a lot of points until the end when there's like a whole bunch of points at once. So, we have a series of games, and right now we're going to play a segment, an interview I did with Candy Lopez, one of the faculty members here. But what I need you to do is to try to guess how many questions she's going to answer correctly. So, I asked her three multiple choice questions. She is an art faculty here in charge of our art and design major. And is a game I call extra disciplinary, which means like outside of your discipline. Mm. So I asked her about something totally unrelated to what she does professionally. She works with the fiber arts. I mm. asked her about the spider arts, about stuff about spiders. So tell me from zero to three, how many questions do you think she got right? Two. Two. I'm going to guess two as well. Yeah, you can guess the same amount. Some, sometimes people are like, oh, they already took one and two. No. <laughs> So the logical thing would be to guess two because we're either all getting it or all, none of us are getting it. But I want to yeah. say one. All right. Then you're saying one. Yeah. All right. So Mike's going to queue up the, uh, the interview and give me some sort of sign. We haven't figured out what this is. This is That's News to Us, the NSU News Quiz Show. Today I'm talking with Candy Lopez, NSU faculty and director of the BA in Art and Design program offered by the NSU Department of Communication, Media, and Arts. So, Candy, welcome, and thank you so much for being here today to be part of That's News to Us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Myself as well. First, just for the sake of those listeners who don't know who you are, could you just introduce yourself and, you know, basically say who you are and what you do here at NSU? Hi, my name is Candy Lopez Moreno. I am the program director for the BA Art and Design program here and an associate professor here. So, I teach the studio concentration courses so drawing, painting, sometimes art history, color, fundamentals, 2D design, all of the stuff that you create with your hands, that's my part of the program. And I'm also an artist, which means that I'm constantly in my studio working. And I really like to say that I'm also a mother, because that's another thing that's really important. I have two little kids, one's five and one's three. Very nice. All right. And you kind of mentioned that because you are an artist and you are hired as an artist to, to teach in this art design program, the kind of stuff we do that we think of as you know, faculty production, you know, faculty publishing, in general, 
I would think that most of what you do is not publishing articles in academic journals, for instance, but you do contribute to your discipline. And I know that you recently had a show in New York in the ACA galleries. Can you describe that process to lead to that kind of show and give us a sense of, yeah, I guess how big a deal it is really? Because people will say, oh, I published in a journal. And some people will say, oh, that's, that's a big deal. I feel that in the arts realm, you can also publish in journals. It just depends on who's willing to write about it and include you in it. Like there's a lot of artists that are part of books. And I also work with Dr. Garcia in biology. And we actually published a paper together that has to deal with like how agar art can get integrated within the undergraduate programs at universities. But when it comes to like professional development in the arts world, it takes a really long time to develop a body of work to be put in an exhibition. So it's not only creating work, but you're also doing research behind the work. Mm. And it also depends on the artist. Like I am very prolific in the way that I create and make a lot of work, but I'm also reading all the time and also going to art galleries and museums and doing my research that way about the artists that have passed. So there's a lot of art history, but also like contemporary artists. So people that are current and I'm also of mixed race. So I'm Dominican, but within that, there's like Taino Indians that are part of that. There's European, they're African American. So there's a lot of like identity things that I deal with within my art, which means that there's a lot of history within that too. So a lot of the things that I read really come into fruition in my artwork. And then taking the time to create a body of work takes like time, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I feel like a lot of people don't think about it as like work they think that you're having like fun in the studio Mm -hmm. space when in reality I'm spending six to eight hours when I can in a day to like make Mm -hmm. um, for months to be able to create work and then after that you have to (laughs) get the stuff prepared for exhibition which is another job because you need to think about how you're going to install your work and doing research on installing your work and the Mm -hmm. message that comes within the installation. So, yeah, it takes a lot. You you talked a little bit about the work situation, and I know the most recent show was titled Situational Identity. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like it showcases, I would say, life-size depictions of individuals made primarily from yarn and thread on canvas, fiber arts, as I believe you call it. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that theme of situational identity or, you know, even the techniques you use to create these works? Um, One of the highlights when it comes to an artist's career is being represented by a gallery, which as an artist and an educator and a mother, I never really thought that that was an option for me. So to be able to get representation by a gallery is like a really big thing in the art world. And on top of that, it's a gallery that represents Faith Ringgold and other historical, (laughs) very well-known artists that have passed. So if you don't know who Faith Ringgold is, please look her up. And the gallery is in Chelsea, and they are one of the first art galleries in the 1930s that opened up when the MoMA opened up. So it's a really big deal. So to be able to be represented by them is um, crazy, honestly. (laughs) So when they asked me to think about a title for my solo exhibition, which opened in September of this year, Um, I was reading a text by Candelaria's, she has like an essay within one of her texts that's called Black Behind My Ears. And it has to deal with statistical data of how Dominicans perceive themselves. 
And since my my parents are Dominican, so I'm Dominican, and there's this political classism and also, I wouldn't say racism, but I'll say colorism within the island that still resonates. And there's still topics and debates about how Dominicans perceive Haitians and how Haitians perceive Dominicans and the wars between them and with other conquering countries. So it has to deal with being able to switch off your identity when you want to. So like I mentioned, I'm mixed. So a lot of the times I have to figure out where I stand in certain situations. So when I go to Dominican Republic, I'm not Dominican, I'm American. And if I go to, I don't know, Europe, then I can be Dominican or American or black. And then in the United States, I mean, you can choose... But since we're in South Florida, like a lot of the times people think that I don't speak Spanish or that I am Spanish and I don't speak English. <laughs> so it depends on on where you are. So the title situational identity comes from that text, but it really talks about the intersectionality of the way that people are mixing and are mixed and can choose and pick sometimes when you don't want to and sometimes when you have to to be able to get through the day or get through a situation. Sure. I mean, you kind of had me at the word situational because <laughs> rhetorical studies, like the idea of the rhetorical situation and just, you know, that meaning and everything is situational is pretty central, I think. Mm-hmm. Where can people see your work now or in the future? Currently, I have a show in Florida at Coral Springs Museum of Art. It's up until January 6th. It's also one of the stops for Art Basel, but it's just a little bit north for the North people because, you know, when Art Basel comes in, everybody's in Miami, but there's also art throughout South Florida. So I have a solo there until January 6th. And then for the people that are up in the Northeast, I have a show at the New Jersey City University, and it's called Artista de Latino America. And it is depicting Afro-Latin American artists and their dreams and possibilities is what it's called. It's a group show. And that one is up until November 15th, I believe. All right. And so we always love to learn more about the faculty here at NSU, but we've actually invited you here today to play a little game we're calling Extra Disciplinary, which literally means, you know, outside of one's discipline, uh, where we ask you questions totally outside your area of expertise so you're an artist specializing in fibers, but what do you know about spiders? <laughs> Nothing. Good. That's, you're, you're the perfect contestant for this. So spiders create aesthetically pleasing webs that some would even call art. And there are many human-created artworks from novels to cartoons based on spiders. So I'll be giving you three multiple-choice questions, and the student contestants I have in the studio will simply be guessing how many you will get right. So okay. are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question one. In Charlotte's Web, the beloved 1952 novel by E.B. White, the pig Wilbur is saved by an industrious spider's ability to write cryptic messages in her web. The author of this novel has admitted to being inspired by what? A, a mother whose letters to the German defense minister Werner von Blomberg saved her son Wilbur from being executed in a World War II concentration camp. B, the existence of decorative features of various shapes, including spheres, X's, and spirals in real spiderwebs, what scientists call stabilimenta, or C, the Greek myth of Arachne about a woman who was turned into a spider after challenging the goddess Athena to a weaving contest, and thus whose only way to communicate would be to weave words into her web. So was the author E.B. White inspired by 
the mother writing letters to the defense minister, these decorative features of webs called stabilimenta, or the Greek myth of arachne. I want to say the Greek myth. I would want to say that too, because I think we're all about Greek myth here, at least I am. But uh, no, it was actually the stabilimenta, right? Dang. Yeah. So some spiders, I think weaver or weaver spiders, you know, have these like shapes that they sometimes put in, like kind of elaborate, sometimes look like little lightning bolts and stuff. Yes. They used to think it was about stability, but now they think it's about keeping larger creatures from running into the webs. All right. So. Dang. I wanted to get these right. <laughs> yeah, the nice thing, it doesn't matter if you got it right. We, we all learn something, right? Yeah. All right, question number two. The 2023 movie Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse tells the tale of Miles Morales' and Gwen Stacy's struggles to overcome their fates. It features 280 different spider people taken from various comic books over the years. Which of these is not a spider person who appears in the movie? Okay. Two of them did appear in the movie. One does not. You want to figure out the one that does not. So is it A, Spider-Ham, an anthropomorphic pig known for his humor, a.k.a. Peter Porker? Is it B, Web-Slinger, a Western-style human gunslinger who shoots webbing from his pistols while riding his horse, Widow? Or is it C, Man-Spider, an anthropomorphic spider whose transformation began when it bit a human, developing no amazing powers other than a revulsion to itself? The last one. The last one, all right? You're sure about that, right? I'm sure. All right, you are correct. See, I just saw the movie again and again because my kids wanted to see Spider-Man over and over again. Yeah, it is pretty awesome. And I like how they kind of annotate the different, you know, spider people. Yeah, you have to like pause the movie to be able to read those things. Yeah, still like, you know, the fact that you kind of know that they're from somewhere is, is, is pretty cool. It's a really good movie. Oh, yeah, it is great. And it's weird because in the Batman series, they actually have a character called Man Bat, right? Mm. But they don't have a man spider in the MCU or DC universes. And you would think it would just be sort of like low-hanging fruit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just yeah. more, you know? But yeah, they, they resisted, you know, somehow. And the artwork in that, I think it's one of the, the best ones that they've made so far. No, I, I agree. It is uh, just amazing visually. All right, so question number three. In 16th century Italy, it was believed that a bite from a species of wolf spider found in the Taranto region would be fatal unless the victim did what? A. Engaged in a frenzied dance to fast tempo music. B. Sucked out the venom and spit it out in all eight cardinal and ordinal compass directions while onlookers sang a healing song. Or C. Crafted a wooden effigy of the spider and burned it as an offering to the spider goddess Lolth. So, if you were bit in order not to die from the spider, did you have to dance, suck out the poison and spit it out, or craft a wooden effigy of the spider? I want to say the second one. Which is suck out the venom, spit it out in all eight directions of the compass while onlookers sang a healing song. Yes. Watch it be the last one. uh, Well, it's neither B nor C. It's A. What? Yeah, so they thought you had to engage in this friend's dance. So a bite from a tarantula was thought to be fatal unless the victim engaged in this frenzied dance to a really specific piece of music uh, and it actually inspired a dance locally known as the tarantella which later evolved mm. into a folk dance for couples that's cool it is kind of that's cool. much be- that's easier than the other two things yeah it's sort of misleadingly easy right like yeah yeah Got although me. with like eight legs being involved you know spiders you'd think it would be a dance for four people not couples but you know <laughs> 
So you only got one right, but that is perfectly fine. We found some things out about spiders. So thank you so much for being part of the show and best of luck with your future art gallery showings. Thank you so much. So we just heard my interview with Candy Lopez in which she answered a grand total of one question. So, uh, so Annie got has it. gotten a point for that. Congratulations. She, job, she, didn't, she didn't, you know, bow down to the peer pressure for two. She said, no, I'm sticking with one. Um, I probably need to, like, think about it. Like, I could always revise it. So, like, oh, if you guess, like, one, two, three, like, you know, like, like the riskier, like, mm. the riskier thing gets more points or something, right, maybe. See? You know, it's like, like three would be like, whoa, uh, <laughs> like, who's, who, who's going to get three out of three, right? Mm-hmm. Right. True. Um, so that's double points. Oh, so you're saying I'm getting double points, right? I'm going to revise that. Oh, okay. Future. So it's not right, <laughs> right. Revise that, yeah. so not right um, now. But Dr. Uh, Kevin Dvorak, who was our first faculty guest, also got one right. And I technically, I sort of gave him the second one because he guessed hippo. And a hippo uh, is also a horse because mm. hippo means horse in Greek. Oh. So, you know, I kind of said, well, it's kind of a horse. So, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> All right. So now it's time for our next game. You know, here at NSU, we have the Mako Radio, but we also have Mako News. But this segment is called Fako News because <laughs> what we're going to do is I'm going to have the contestants read news stories uh, to our station manager, Alex, and she's going to listen to three of them and then try to guess which one is real. Only one is real. Um, so my contestants here will read their stories. They're each kind of thematic. So theme one, I believe, is called unusual, un- unusual flooding. Unusual flooding. Right. So three stories of unusual flooding, and Alex will try to guess which one is real. Shweta, if you'd start. Okay. Double-digit declines in wine consumption across Europe have led to extreme measures. As part of the crisis distillation program, wine is being stored and converted into alcohol for industrial usage to help struggling vinters sell off unused stock. Unfortunately for one small town in Portugal, one of the distillation storage tanks ruptured recently, sending red river of wine flowing down city streets and pulling in cellars. Authorities are concerned about the impact on local farmers and water supplies, and the storage company has promised to pay for the cleanup, saying that it has profoundly laments the incident. They also warned locals not to drink the runaway vino, which had already gone partway through the distillation process, bringing the alcohol content significantly higher than a standard port. So our second news article is students at Sweetster School in Seiko, Maine, have long come together to learn about the production of maple syrup using the school's own forests as their experiential classroom. This year, they decided to host a physics-inspired competition to test the old saying, slow as molasses. Participants will have to guess exactly how long it will take different types of molasses, dark, light, and black strap, to make its way down a track consisting of ramps, tubes, and other oddly shaped passageways. The person who comes closest to guessing exactly how long it will take for the sticky substances to ooze their way down the course will win the grand prize, a year's supply of the sweet substance. The Sweetster School principal, Ruth Peterson, said, We're hoping this event will really bring the community together, and since molasses production is so important to the local economy, and not to worry, we'll have lots of other activities for people to do while they're waiting to see which syrup wins. And our last story for this theme. At a warehouse in Royal Oak, Michigan, workers are collecting what they've dubbed accidental art. But to practitioners of pore painting, the process might sound familiar. Paint can be poured slowly over a canvas, allowing colors to stay separate, creating a winding pattern of colors. This is a much slower and methodical process than, say, Jackson Pollock's vigorous drip technique, where he threw paint from overhead onto canvases spread on the ground below him. The big difference in this case, though, is that the paint accidentally leaked from machinery in a production plant for the Tint Bliss Paint Company. 
Attempts by workers to cover machinery on the floor below the leaks with canvas tarps led to a number of canvases with pleasing patterns made by the dripping paint. Rather than just bemoan the loss of product, the company sees this as an opportunity. Tintless CEO Mario Simmons hopes to offer the canvases for sale in an art auction to help support art education at local schools. Our paint has long been used by artists to create great art, she claimed. It's high time the paint shows us what it can do on its own. All right, so we just heard three stories of unusual flooding. So Alex, only one is real, and you have to tell us, is it the story of molasses flowing down an obstacle course? Is it paint dripping onto canvas creating accidental arch? Or is it wine flowing down the uh, streets of a Portuguese city? Ooh, this is this is interesting. Okay, uh, just off the bat, I don't think it would be Portugal. I don't feel like it would be Portugal just because, not that they don't have wine, but that doesn't seem like a Portuguese type thing. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm, in my mind, I'm going to say that's fake. Um, and then molasses, but they're in Maine, supposedly. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like a thing that Maine would do. And then, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Wow, it doesn't seem. Dissing Maine. I mean, no, because you have. I'm not sure it sounds like it's that much fun. But I'm no, but I'm thinking like Maine has lobsters, seafood, not necessarily like known for their for their sugar and molasses, like a syrup in Maine. And then with the trees that they'd be producing, that seems fake. I don't know. And then art, people trying to sell art for to support education seems like the realist one. So that's what I would say. All right, well, uh, the real story is actually the wine flood from Portugal. Oh, my goodness. I mean, not only is there a wine port named after the country, but (laughs) the Portuguese people have the highest per capita consumption of wine in Europe. Oh, really? So, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, go Portugal. Um, Sorry, that is not pro-alcohol, (laughs) because on the radio, I don't believe I'm allowed to be pro-anything like that. So, but just... Being best at anything is good. Mm. So, so that is a point for who did she guess? Me. All right. And uh, actually, I'm going to. I know I said I don't revise my uh, you know things in you know in in sort of the process, but uh, I'm also going to give a point to the person who had the real one. So, why not? You're catching up, Freta. I'm yeah. catching up. Yeah. <laughs> Making up. All right. What is our next theme? Our next one is viral video. All right, so three stories about viral video. Okay, so according to BuzzFeed.com, cute videos of cats get four times more views on their site than those of dogs, and videos on YouTube featuring felines represent almost 30 billion views. One of the people responsible for, she admits, a good chunk of these views is Elizabeth Garcia, whose love of cats is only reviled by her desire for social media stardom. One of her other interests is ASMR. You know those videos of strange sounds that people listen to because they say it will make them feel all tingly? So Garcia thought, why not combine these and create a TikTok channel that states these two appetites at the same time? Who wouldn't want to listen to a cat licking its fur? Or perhaps the light result of whiskers against terracotta tile as a cat stretches in a sunspot on an autumn afternoon. But as often happens with the internet, a little bit of searching confirmed that Elizabeth was a bit late to the party as several cat ASMR channels already existed. 
She wondered what other animals could hold the secret to faithful followers. How many people would listen to a panda munching on bamboo, to a possum eating canned chicken, or to a snake sucking down a frozen mouse? And how would she get access to a panda? So she decided to chase the long tail of people who love uncute animals. Her channel is a modest success, and so far her biggest hit is a video of her brother's tarantula calling over the strings of a bass guitar. Garcia said, being cute doesn't mean you make interesting sounds. I want to listen to all of God's creatures, even the ugly ones. Her channel, Better Heard Than Seen, lets us all appreciate the hiss behind the hognose. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just as a quick summary, a- ASMR, do you know what ASMR is? Of course, yeah, but I'm saying tarantula yeah. ASMR. Yeah, an ASMR channel of, of uncute Cute animals. animals is the, oh, that is makes the so idea much. there. That makes sense, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, listen to the other two. Maybe, okay, maybe, one, okay. will make, maybe one will make more sense. Okay. <laughs> Our second potential news article is viral videos don't often feature actual viruses, but sometimes they do. Working in a lab at the University of California, Davis, microbiology graduate student Lee Summers decided to complete one of her school assignments about the characteristics of viruses by creating a video of a two-hand puppet she made. The puppet, which she gave distinct voices, depicted viruses arguing over whether or not they are alive in a comp- video complete with a zombie virus that comes in at the end to eat their virions. She seats, She set up a YouTube channel to share her production with her teacher and some friends and was surprised the next day to find her video had over 11,000 likes. As an undergraduate, Summers had gone through a range of majors including education, theater, but settled on biology to satisfy both her love of science and her parents' love of gainful employment. Her YouTube channel provides her a creative outlet and she's been quickly building an online following by combining science education and wacky humor, enlisting hand puppets to teach about everything from parasites to microbiomes. Summer admits, I'm no Bill Nye, but it feels good to help people understand a world that they often can't even see. Plenty of people are seeing her, though, or at least seeing her hand puppets. All right, and our final story about viral video. Okay. So Phil Stringer knows what it's like to fly in his own private jet with a crew attending exclusively to him. He's not an A-list celebrity or trust friend baby. He just got really lucky. After being really unlucky. On a typical flight, he's just a mild-mannered chief operating officer of a real estate brokerage firm sitting in the economy section. But his early morning flight home from Oklahoma City to Charlotte, North Carolina was incrementally delayed throughout the course of the day for maintenance reasons. And after 18 hours of waiting at the airport, he was called to the gate to find that he was the only passenger who had stuck around for the flight. The plane needed to fly regardless of the number of passengers, so Stringer got on board and made fast friends with the crew. One upbeat viral video and 10 million likes later, and Stringer has offers from producers to turn his experience into TV magic. Stringer's takeaway from the experience is to stay positive even when things don't go as planned. He said, you can absolutely change the situation just by changing your perspective and your attitude. Just make sure you get the video to prove it. All right, so you've just heard three stories about viral video. Did a wannabe influencer build an ASMR channel around the sounds made by unsightly animals? Did a microbiology graduate student build an educational YouTube channel around a school assignment using hand puppets? Or did the sole pastor on an empty flight create a video that may be his ticket to daytime TV fame? So which of these stories do you think actually happened, Alex? Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. One of them, viral videos, but a YouTube channel, I just don't, like, 
I've seen videos of people like taking care of like weird animals, but never like I always see dog ASMR or cat ASMR, maybe even um, parrot ASMR, but I've never seen like like honestly tarantula ASMR that gives me the ick. So I'm just gonna say <laughs> no to that. Um, that really stuck with me. And also summers, I don't know. That's like th- that seems like something I'd read in a book. Like it doesn't seem very like plausible. All right, all right. So I started analyzing, you know, the names. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I'm like that's, I'm that's, deep diving. That's tactical there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, honest, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like every American wants a day that they're just like their Ferris Bueller day where everything goes well, and that plain story just like hits like that. So I don't know. It. Was yours on YouTube, the first one? Was it on YouTube or was it, where was it on? It was on, if so I, she made a YouTube channel. Mine, I think, mine, I think was a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, I, honestly, I think the plain story is probably the realest. Is it real? I don't know. Is that your final yeah, answer? Yeah, that's my final answer. Uh, the plain story is real. Let's go! Yeah. 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 So yeah, so yeah, he he definitely got stuck at the airport, and after eighteen hours, you know, got on the flight because it was going anyway. And they explained to him that it's because it, they make a lot of money carrying like uh, cargo, yeah. right? So they're carrying a bunch of cargo, so that had to go anyway. So they had one passenger, uh, but yeah, they made a lot of friends. He got all their phone numbers, and now they're like, you know, wow. and now they sort of stay connected and stuff. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't believe my own story, you know, because I, I was like, it was the eighteen hours. I was like, surely more than one person mm-hmm. with eighteen hours. I can just, yeah. no, I could just imagine. TikTok video filming like this is the time I got stuck on a plane, but I yeah. couldn't imagine mm, like ten million likes for that video though. You know that's crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, no it, I can believe that. Yeah. Imagine you're being pampered by a whole airline, but also I don't think Gen Z is watching puppets. I was thinking mm. that. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I don't think Gen Z is watching no. puppets, which is why the. Okay, I'm not gonna hate on the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> that was my reasoning. All right, all right. We're we're learning a lot about Alex here. <laughs> she, she hates puppets and yeah, and science yeah. and uh, just by the way that that thing with the ASMR thing, that little line about a possum eating canned chicken, that's came into my brain because we have a possum who frequents our garage, okay. uh, and sometimes we put out chicken for it, and we have a little camera out there, and like it's funny because he looks cute because possums are cute, right? Right. Mm-hmm. right? Um, but like you can hear him, and it's like. Oh no! <laughs> it is it is kind of cute to hear him eat. So. I've seen I've seen corgis and huskies like munch on food, but yeah, I really yeah. haven't seen anything else. But I feel like I've seen tarantula ASMR. That's why I thought it was that one. I've, really? I think I've seen it because they like had it like crawling on the microphone. So mm-hmm. I, that's why I thought that was oh, the on the mic. Okay, there's something like that. that. All right, our last set of stories are around the theme of notable robberies. First story. Okay. Most people's idea of a vast criminal conspiracy doesn't involve a network of housewives and grandmothers, but that just means they've never met the members of the Daughters of the Librarian Revolution. Members of this Christian network struggled first to ban progressive books from public libraries in the old-fashioned way by causing scenes at town council meetings, posting melodramatic petitions, urging people to think of the children, and mischaracterizing the contents of books they hadn't read. But when those methods didn't work in their home state of Washington, they turned to tactics a bit more crafty. Unassuming members of this group are sent to check out 
objectionable books, sometimes using their grandchildren as cover, and deliver the books to DLR members with skills honed by years of scrapbooking, coupon clipping, and secretarial work. These partitions physically alter the books, remove liberal content, sometimes removing a few sentences, and sometimes binding the old cover onto a totally rewritten and illustrated text. Returned to their home library, these modified texts await like tiny jack-in-the-boxes of evangelical, sorry, I can't pronounce that, ideology, um, ready to spring open and confuse readers. Who knew, for instance, that Dexter's two dads were actually God and Jesus? This kind of censorship can be incredibly hard to detect and fight, says Ivy Walters, a librarian in Kirkland, Washington. I respect the quality of their handiwork, even as I loathe their political goals. Our second news article of notable robbery is Blenheim Castle in Oxfordshire, England, is famous as the birthplace of British statesman Winston Churchill and currently serves as a public museum and gardens showcasing the best, some would say the worst, of the 17th century English architect Sir John Van Brugh. Now the castle is famous for something slightly less distinguished. Four men have been convicted of the theft of an art piece on loan to Blenheim Castle from the Guggenheim Museum in New York. The art piece in question by Italian conceptual artist Maurizio Catalan is a solid 18-karat gold toilet titled simply America. Before being stolen, patrons to Blenheim Castle could make a three-minute private appointment with the functioning fixture to, as a castle website says, to experience unprecedented intimacy with a work of art. The theft for the working toilet caused severe water damage to a castle, causing the temporary closing of some of the exhibits. Though the thieves have been convicted, the toilet has not been recovered, and authorities fear that it will never be found, as it has likely already been melted down and reshaped into items easily to sell without suspicion, such as jewelry. So know that the next piece of secondhand gold jewelry you may have not only have been dropped in a toilet at one time, it may have been one. And last but not least... Halloween in the U.S. is the perfect time for those willing to put in minimal effort to get free candy. But for some, that's not an option. Enter the Lamont twins, Bradley and Scott, two Illinois-based teenagers who are over their county's legal age for what local ordinances refer to as Halloween solicitation. If the unusual law was actually applied, they would face up to three months in jail for going door-to-door in costume and saying trick or treat. So instead, they decided their best option was to risk even greater imprisonment by going right to the source. Their plan was simple. Don masks, grab a bunch of candy at the local supermarket, and run from the store and hide before anyone could catch them. Their imagined payday, however, was thwarted by a bad case of Butterfingers. As they ran down aisle 5, with pillowcases full of Twizzlers, chocolate bars, and jawbreakers, dropped candies rolled beneath their feet, causing Scott to slip and crash sideways into Bradley. The duo tumbled into the shelving hard enough to tip over a whole section, sending foodstuffs flying across the floor. They were not charged with theft, but have a hefty helping of community service awaiting them as they work to repay the store for the damage they caused during what they are now claiming was a prank video gone wrong. Next year, they plan to simply dress up as younger versions of themselves who can legally trick-or-treat. All right, so Alex, you've just heard three stories about strange crimes. Are a coven of crafters systematically editing library books to remove content that doesn't mesh with their evangelical views? Did a group of men recently get convicted for stealing a solid gold toilet on loan to a British museum? Or did twin brothers turn to a life of crime in protest of their county's ordinance against teenage trick-or-treating? Which of these stories actually happened? 
Okay, I have like, I'm trying to like look back in my brain to what makes sense. Okay, let's start first. Okay, um, National Band booked a week, I want to say. I don't know if it was the day or the week, it was a couple weeks ago. So that might make sense. Is the Guggenheim British though? That doesn't... I mean, it's an American museum in I New know, York. But, I know it's... But, but they said it's on loan to the British Museum Okay, from the okay, museum. okay, okay. Just... Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, and then the third one, I'm sorry. They announced their costumes for next year. That sounds lame. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> for... That was a joke. That was the last time it was a joke. Okay, well, they... Yeah, but they're just gonna... No. The third one doesn't make sense to me. But then, like, <laughs> the first one makes sense... But in Washington, in Washington, I don't know if that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Because I know that, you know, banned books are in a lot of places, but I don't know. Did you say Washington State or D.C.? State. I State? Ooh, okay. That kind of... Yeah. Although, I think the idea is that they tried to go through the you know, political process but got right. shut down, mm-hmm. which would make sense in a more pro- progressive state that they get shut down. Right. Just, yeah, but I'm just adding you to know your that in some I know confusion. you know that in some places books like Harry Potter mm-hmm. and the Sorcerer's Stone, um, the Lorax is even banned. They actually did that in like so I'm from Tampa and they actually started banning books that like are related to like diversity and all that. That makes sense. So. Uh, not that that's right, but that makes sense that they did that. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I uh, this is so this is this one's difficult. Okay. But a toilet, you know, three minutes with a toilet, does that seem real? That seems very American. (laughs) Are you saying saying the time is too short? Or are you just saying the idea of any time with a toilet is weird? No, it's not weird. No, no, no. I'm saying that I I feel like that's too long. You get three minutes with a toilet. People, yeah, people. The, don't you remember the banana that was at display at the yeah at the um whatever? I mean, it wouldn't. We're talking. We're talking. No, it but, didn't take that guy three minutes to eat the banana. I know. Mm-hmm. I I know. But I'm talking that we're talking about art. It's illogical. We're talking about art. It's illogical. People pay for art. And it's named America though, so it's mm-hmm. like a it's like a big metaphor, you know. So I know, I, guys. What I'm saying <laughs> is that the reason that this story, this art story, makes the most sense to me is because it's so illogical. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it does it make sense that they paid? How much were they paying to like sit on this toilet? I don't have that information. Okay. Ah. It's ah, not in ah, the story. Ah. Okay. okay. I feel like you're trying to get us to give away something <laughs> at this point. <laughs> oh, this is difficult. Okay. I'm I'm sorry, but the YouTube channel for that lame prank, no thank you. It's not real. Um, but maybe maybe the book banning and the toilet. Okay. Book banning or toilet, toilet ba- book banning. Okay, I'm going toilet. I'm going toilet. Is that real? Tell me that's real. So, uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I, I, I don't, don't read anything into my, you know, slow wind up here. I mean, okay. No, uh, the toilet story is the real story. Oh, let's go. So, congratulations, Alex. <laughs> yay. Um, and you, I mean, not yay, but yay. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, it is a real story. It was named America. It has not been found, so it's probably been melted down into something. So um, no one's going to ever know when they get the toilet gold, you know, but someone will. Those little nuggets. Know, little little lottery there. That wedding ring. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so thank you very much, Alex, for playing along with us. You got two right, I believe. Right? Nice. So that that is the new record to beat there for the FACO News. And whose story was the toilet one? Mine was. Your, all right. Yes. So I'm just... 
keeping keeping track of points here. All right. So we have one just last game and our few minutes left. And is it a quick, very quick game? It is me yelling, not yelling, um, giving you quick questions, eight each. Ooh. Can you do eight, eight questions real quick? All right. So uh, Shweta has to go for his class something. So uh, either Alex is going to sit in for her. All right. Mm-hmm. So thank you with so Alex. much for having thank me. Thank you so much for being here. And we will, we will make this super quick anyway. All right, so I'm going to start with Annie, since she's sitting here and ready. So I'm going to ask you eight questions. You'll okay. get just like a second or two to answer. If you don't know the answer, just pass. All right? So oh, these are all about NSU, things <gasps> that have been featured in the Mako News oh, okay, wait. in so the last have, year. So like, do, am I timed with the eight minutes? I mean, with the eight questions? I'm just going to shoot questions. If you don't know the answer to each one, just pass and here you go. So okay. it's going to take like 60 seconds total. Okay. Know? All right, so here are your questions. Mako News recently reported that social media is leading young adults to do more of what? Casual dating. No, read books. NSU has recently announced (laughs) a policy that allows students to officially share their preferred what? Names. Right. What is the annual event where students can learn about clubs and kick off the school year with food, fun, and performances by student singing and dance groups? Sharkapalooza. Nice. Correct. This musical, based on women's health, just ended its run at the Rose and Alfred Miniachi Performing Arts Center. Is that Radium Girls? No. Can we right. steal? A, can no, we steal? There's no steal right now. But I saw I, a poster for that. that I will note that that has been stolen for Menopause mm. Two or Menopause the Musical Two. I think is the correct title. Wow. So still with any this NSU men's team secured its third national championship in the program's history this year. Is that the basketball team? Nope, golf. The Native Narrows Wildflower Garden and the Community Garden are both projects associated with this NSU student club. Uh, green sharks or green fins? No, nope, Nature Club. Uh, These kinds of relationships are more important to an individual's health than romantic relationships, according platonic? to the health section. Platonic, like friendships? Friendships, exactly. For one Shark Speak story, NSU students were asked how they prepare for these two periods of the semester. Midterms and finals? Midterms and finals, correct. All right. All right let's jump to Ava. Ooh. All right, so here are your questions, Ava. What annual awards event recognizes student and faculty achievement at NSU? Is it the Stewie Awards? It is the Stewie's. This 20-year-old NSU tradition brought on new scrutiny and complaints based on the current political and social climate before the bulldozer had a chance to knock it down. Wall of hate. That's not her. The wall of hate. Correct. Recent NCAA rule changes have altered the ways that college student-athletes can profit from what? Their name, image, and likeness. Correct. For one Shark Speak story, NSU students were asked what effects this beverage had on their health. Energy drink, Celsius? No, coffee. Coffee. Uh, this NSU, we, we had a story on Celsius, but the students were asked about coffee. This NSU student club is made up of car enthusiasts. Pass, I have no idea. Street Sharks. All right, street sharks stolen. So this NSU men's sports team won a national championship this year with a perfect season. Golf or basketball? All right, one answer, please. Basketball. Which is your one answer? All right, basketball. I said <laughs> Golf or basketball or string or nothing, right? <laughs> According to the health section of Mako News, this is a concern for those waiting in Florida's waters who are immunocompromised, elderly, or have open wounds. Amoeba something. I don't think, I, I'm not a science person, but I don't think amoebas count. Uh, flesh-eating bacteria. Uh, okay. Last question. This student-led publication includes poetry, prose, art, and music, and released its 20th issue this year. Oh, I know it, but I don't know the name. Symposium, potentially? Stolen, stolen. No. Digressions. Alex, uh, digressions. Okay. All right, so Alex, sitting in for Shweta, here are your eight questions. NSU was recently visited by Bill Nelson, an ex-Florida House representative and administrator of what national agency? Oh my goodness, I know this, but pass. All right, NASA. (sighs) What annual event allows students to present their research and creative filmmaking to the NSU community? The real? No. Mm -hmm. 
No, no, no. The Undergraduate Student Symposium. Mm. This NSU student club was created to allow students to practice capturing moments in nature and in portraits. Oh my gosh, I don't know this. Photography club. <gasps> wow. Uh, this restaurant will arrive in the University Center soon to replace Chick-fil-A. the flight deck. Chick fil A. Chick fil A, correct. This annual event allows NSU dance students to show their original choreography and is happening tomorrow. Oh my goodness. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, dance, it's dance something, dance, da- not dance a thon. Um, ding, 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 ding. All right, someone want to help her out? Yeah. Dance works. Dance works. I'll give it to you. This NSU women's sports team won a national championship for the first time in the program's history. Swimming? Swimming, correct. Students and faculty are grappling with the effects of this technology on the writing process. Oh, AI. AI. Mm. For one Sharks Week story, NSU students were asked how they celebrate what? Halloween. Uh, I'll give you a you know, point. That, uh, holidays. Okay. Including Halloween. And last question. This group is the official dance team of NSU, appearing at basketball games, soccer Sharkettes. matches, and volleyball events. The Sharkettes. Exactly. All right. So I'm going to take just 10 seconds to add up some numbers real quick. All right. This is so much fun. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for inviting us. No, no, definitely. Thank you for being here. It is nice to learn about the news in a kind of fun format, and I get to research and find out about things that I probably should know about anyway. (laughs) All right. So the final tally with uh, eight, we have our Schwetalix. I'm going to say Schwetal slash Alex uh, with eight points. Ava with six points, and in the lead, Annie with nine points. Wow. So congratulations, Annie. The gift bag is in the mail. So, All right. So thank you all. This has been That's News to Us, the NSU Quiz Show. Join us. In, I think our next show is going to be in January, so keep a lookout and uh, you know, learn some stuff about the news. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great time. 